Hey guys, thanks for joining me another week on my podcast. Um, this week I'm gonna have a guest on. I told you guys that I'll start having, you know, some guests on my podcast, and we're gonna talk about different things that I think everyone can relate to, either now or some point in your life, you'll be able to relate to it. So today we're gonna pretty much talk about um PTSD. Um, some parts we're gonna talk about uh maybe the military you know different a couple topics we're gonna hit all in one um today i'm gonna have my brother on um he was in the military and he's gonna tell us a little bit about the military talk to us about ptsd how he dealt with it how he's still dealing with it um his life after the military um for y'all some people may be listening they're thinking about joining the military or they just got out of the military and they need help um getting back in the swings of things so without prolonging this i'm gonna have my brother josh on we're gonna talk about start out talking about ptsd i'll explain what ptsd for those of you who don't know um is short for post-traumatic stress disorder i'm sure everybody's heard about it a lot of people say um people who's in the military have it but you don't have to just be in the military to deal with this um you can have anxiety and flashbacks triggered by traumatic events you can have a traumatic events like a car accident that was very traumatic um something that happened to you when you were a child can be part of ptsd so it's just not something that's associated with military anybody in life can deal with it so without further ado we're gonna have my brother um on i'm gonna ask him a few questions he'll explain some things to you guys and we'll go from there all right so can you um tell us a little bit about yourself well you know as you heard i'm the i'm the brother you know josh joshua davis some of you probably know me or you know seen me around or probably knew me you know back in the day or something like that but you know i'm still that same person or whatnot but yeah I did five and a half, close to six years in the United States Army or whatnot. I was an infantryman, so, you know, we was kicking kicking doors, doing missions, doing all kind of crazy stuff, that uh, Call of Duty stuff or whatnot. And from there, uh, I got out. I decided to uh, go to college for criminal justice because I wanted to stay in the field, you know, and uh, see about, you know, still being able to help people and being able to put those skills to use that I had spent all this time learning. So I went to school for that for, you know, about a semester or two. Then I realized, you know, that conventional college was not for me because I graduated high school in 2011. And going back to uh, college, because I was going to Park University, so this was a real deal school. It wasn't a tech school or anything, you know, and these professors expecting so much. And, you know, it was just my, my, my mind and my level of education. I would say it had diminished a little bit, you know, over time. Which, you know, it happens, you know, when you're in the military, you don't have a lot of time to be learning or pressing up on your skills, man, as you train, train, train and do what you got to do, you know, every day. So I lost those skills. So after that, you know, I began to uh, think, man, you know what else I could do? I could, you know, get my CDL. So I decided to go to truck driving school and get my CDL. So I did that, you know, and. I achieved at it, went there, got my CDL, 10 weeks, finished truck driving school, thanks to them. And throughout that process, you know, I said, man, I began to learn some things about myself that, you know what, I don't want to work for anybody else. You know, I spent the, all that time in the Army, man, it kind of just, you know, burned me out working for people. So I was like, all right, 
I want to own my own truck. I want to run my own business. And I want to, you know, find myself in a, a situation that can be suitable for me and my, you know, children. You know, if you don't know, I have three kids. They're all relatively pretty young. So, you know, I wanted to be able to build something, you know, that could uh, be around long after me and that could possibly, you know, carry them on into the future or whatnot. So, with that being said, I got my CDL. Time went by and I said, all right, now I need to learn how to fix these trucks. If I'm going to buy one, I need to know what I'm doing. I need to know how to fix them. So I went off to school. Currently, what you're in right now is a diesel mechanic school and been learning all these great things, man. And pretty much right now, I'm on the uh, edge of being done with that. I have a uh, internship to complete, which is just some hours and working at a shop or whatnot that, uh, I'm getting done, but unfortunately, due to this coronavirus or whatnot, I'm uh, kind of being held up, but that's not important right now, man. Just as long as everybody that's attached to me and that knows me, you know, is safe from this virus, you know, I'm okay with that. And, you know, for all y'all out there, man, I really hope that, you know, your family is blessed and y'all are safe and y'all are taking heed to these uh, orders that are being put out by these public officials. So that's uh, that's a little bit of kind of a background on me, you know. But uh, let's keep it rolling, I guess. All right, we're going to jump into the questions. Um, I know I explained what PTSD was at the beginning of the podcast, but if you want to go in more depth, can you explain to us what PTSD is and how did you know that you were affected by uh, being in the military, with P- you know, getting out of the military, having PTSD? Like, what cause you to know that you had PTSD? Well, um, as you spoke on earlier, you know, PTSD is a very complex uh, disorder. Actually, there's uh, 3 million cases per year diagnosed with PTSD in the United States. So this is very common. So it's not, you know, an exceptional, it is exceptional that, like you said, it's not just military people. So in my experience, you know, in dealing with it, it took me a long time to uh, kind of see that, you know, I was experiencing these things and these side effects or whatnot, because in the military, there's a culture of, you know, everybody's going through something, everybody's hurt, but we got to pick it up and drive on. You know, it's not a culture of men that's, uh, how can I put this in, you know, good civilian terms, I guess, soft. You know, for us, man, you know, it's like we're going to get shot, but we're going to get up and we're going to keep fighting to help our brothers out or Man, I just got blew up yesterday, but I need to, you know what I'm saying, get back out there on this battlefield to be able to help my brothers get back home or, you know, the country is dependent on me. So, we don't, I don't come from a, a background of, uh, you know, being soft or letting things affect me like that because that wasn't part of our culture, you know, being an infantryman or whatnot. So, for me, I always, like, put it off, put it off for the longest time and tried to limp along, you know, but after going through so many life circumstances and, just, you know, kind of letting things, you know, get too far over my head. I began to, you know, experience symptoms of like anxiety and increased depression and stuff like that. And it seemed like I could, you know, never be happy or that wasn't that wasn't a really a time in my life that I felt, you know, like hopeless until that time. You know, I began to feel real hopeless. You know, I feel like, you know, man, time is a uh, time is not on my side. And I guess all in all to say, man. You know, my whole mood changed, you know, and I began to detach from family, detach from friends, began to make irrational, you know, uh, decisions and do things that, you know, 
somebody who's, you know, thinking clearly might or not what it did, you know, and sometimes I would uh, have troubles, you know, like sleeping and stuff like that or having insomnia and things of that sort, you know. So I began to uh, seek seek treatment, too, because also, you know, going through this, man, and leading soldiers, man, I was working with a lot of young guys that was new in and I'm training them and trying to get them uh, fit to fight and stuff like that, man, and found myself, you know, more and more, you know, yelling, lo losing my temper, you know, on the verge of, you know, smacking one of these kids up and stuff, you know, and as I said before, you know, that's, that's kind of part of the culture, you know, that I was in within this military, so there's a lot of these guys that probably, you know, do have this disorder, but, you know, they can, they can push on with it or they're going to push on with it push on with this with this this disorder excuse me but you know for me man you know i began to realize like nah this this ain't good man i even begin to get myself in trouble you know finding myself drinking a lot and doing things to kind of like you know chill or self-medicate you know being in the military you know wasn't able to smoke no marijuana or do nothing like that so it was you was gonna party it out you was gonna drink it out anybody who's been in the military or who's been around that kind of environment of the military they tell you this is what goes on about every weekend, about every day. These soldiers, these people, they go to work at about 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, well before the rest of the world is up. And they usually, you know, work maybe 16 hours a day easily, you know, if not longer. So these guys are stressed out to the max, you know, and they just got to keep going. So sometimes, you know, they find themselves, you know, in those kind of situations and stuff like that, which I'm speaking on, you know. But that's uh. I guess originally how I would say, you know, began to affect me, you know, all those little things like that, you know, as far as not being able to work with the young guys or losing my temper faster and beginning to drink more and having insomnia, being, you know, easily irritated by everything or not really, you know, talking to people or kind of, you know, distancing myself from the world and feeling hopeless, you know. Those were some of my symptoms, I guess, you know. I think um I think a lot of people can relate. I know me personally, I went through this patch in my life. Um, normally when I'm going through something, I always detach from the world. I detach from my friends, detach from my family and just get until I get myself together. But at this particular time in my life, I felt like I was just not really going through but just wasn't happy. And I felt like I was just drinking every Every chance I got, I was drinking, 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 drinking. And it got to the point where I I just was like blacking out from just drinking that much where I knew I wasn't. I've never even really been a drinker, to be honest. But at those moments in my life, I felt like that's what cured my pain or that would, that drinking would make me forget about everything that's around me, everything that I'm going through for the moment. It would numb me. So I think a lot of young people at some point, you know, we all go through that phase of not really being happy, not really knowing what we want to do it with our life. And, you know, we all handle stress and anxiety differently. But right on, right on. we all probably look towards the same things to handle it. Um, okay, I know you told me you was in the military for almost six years. What caused you to want to go into the military? Well, uh, me personally, you know, um, I wasn't really like, I guess maybe time by the time I got to middle school, you know, I was doing my little basketball thing and like that, but I wasn't never really like heavy on the sports. 
I wasn't really like you no. Know, uh, I was I was a smart kid, you know. I had pretty good grades and all that kind of good stuff. But something just told me that, like, man, I don't feel like going back to school. I need a break from this, you know. I'm just I'm pushing along, but you know I'm burning out, you know. So I'm like, man, I don't I don't want to go to school, you know. And then growing up, you know, in Jacksonville, man, I, I was I wasn't no popular kid. But I had a good amount of friends, and I was a little known, you know. But I was watching some of the other males, you know, and some of the other young boys around me, you know, and I was seeing them, you know, fighting for attention or getting into fights, breaking into cars, selling drugs, doing all these other kind of, you know, crazy things, you know. And, you know, coming from, you know, as a young kid, you know, growing up, seeing a whole bunch of crazy stuff and experiencing like stuff like that, you know what I'm saying? Like it didn't really attract me, you know, to want to go toward that lifestyle because I had already seen the uh, the outcome of those lifestyles at a young as a young kid. You know, I seen people losing their kids, seen people losing their lives. You know what I'm saying? People not being able to have you know nice things or having to live subpar with your kids. You know, like already already knew. You know what I'm saying? The outcome of that. So I never really let those uh, my peers you know, guide me into a, a wrong place or into a deep place. So I told myself, you know, at a young age that, man, I'm going to be somebody and I want to be somebody important. And, you know, I, I want to, I really want to be remembered. You know, I don't want to die, you know, just out here in the streets getting shot down over something stupid. I don't want to, you know, end up in prison, you know, for killing somebody over something stupid. So I told myself, you know, that, man, I'm going, you know, I want to, I want to go to the military or something like that, you know, so I can, uh, be able to get my legacy cemented, you know, and to most importantly be able to, you know, help take some of these bad guys off the streets and stuff like that. You know, I I grew up, like I said, you know, kind of in a in a rough situation, you know, but I seen, you know, the effects of, you know, bad people and I seen the effects of good people. And I knew that, man, I didn't want to be a bad person, you know, or whatnot. Don't get me wrong, you know, I'm not saying I was no, like, goody two-shoes kid because, I did wrong, man. Everything, everything a normal teenager did, I did it, you know, but I didn't get caught. And I knew that wasn't permanent for me. You know, I started working at 14. I was working at Publix. And Publix wasn't paying me enough to be able to, you know, live on my own or afford me no car or nothing like that. You know, everything that, you know, I wanted at that time, I was walking to work in the rain, walking to work at night. You know what I'm saying? I was doing what I had to do, you know, to make sure, you know, I could be able to have a cell phone have some decent clothes on my body, you know, so I had already knew, already had a little work ethic, but, you know, I was determined that, man, I wasn't going to get caught up in the drama, I wasn't going to get killed out there in the streets in Jacksonville over nothing, I wasn't finna throw my life away and go to prison, so, you know, I decided that I was going to go to the Marines, so, the whole time through high school and stuff, you know, all the teachers, you know, they try to motivate me to, like, oh, you want to go to college and this day, you know, and I'm telling them every time I can get, like, no, I'm going to the military, like, I ain't got to do none of this, you know, and if, if anybody know me, they know, like, Josh is always like, man, I ain't doing that, I'm going to the military, so that time came, man, and they sent those people out there, those recruiters out to high school, and I uh, took that ASVAB test, you know, I, I, I was pretty serious on my test, I went and did it. Passed it. There was a Marine recruiter that came to the school, man. Shoot. He started talking to me. We hit it off from there. Unfortunately, you know, long story short, I didn't end up going to the Marines because uh, I kind of got terrified at the end because I realized we had to swim and jump in a big swimming pool. 
So I got scared. But before all that, God is good because <laughs> I could have drowned and died. But uh, he had uh, what had happened? Oh, I was supposed to have been driving trucks in the Marines. But in the Marines, you have to take a, a depth of perception test for your eyes. So, man, I went down there and felt the depth of perception test for my eyes. So they said, oh, David, you can't leave uh, next week or whatnot. You got to you got to change your jobs. And, you know, they tried to offer me all these jobs under the sun from a flight mechanic to flying airplanes to anything you can name. man. they promised me and said, oh, I can get you it. But they couldn't get, get it and get it to me in black and white. So I refused to ship, you know, and that was that, man. I spent the whole like five, six months trying to get, you know, my papers from the Marines so they could release me from the program. And, you know, I was kind of down because I already had graduated from high school and stuff, you know, and everybody was, you know, really like rooting me on. You know, we had a little going away party and all this other kind of stuff for me, but I didn't get to go. So, man, I had to sit back for some more months and then the army came along. And I went there, man, and it was history after that, man. I went to talk to the recruiter, did my thing with them, and it was all history from there, man. But, you know, they told me, oh, man, all we got open right now is a combat arms job. I wanted to leave so bad from Jacksonville and get away from those streets. And, you know, I didn't want to die down there, so it was like, hey, y'all got combat arms open? I don't even know what this is, man. They say, yeah, you're going to be out there shooting the bad guys, and you're going to be going on patrols and all that. I said, sign me up, boss. He signed me up. And, hey, man, I was going to uh, Georgia after that. Like I said, that was, that was history for that. And that was my whole reason, you know. Of, uh, if you could go back in time, would you go back? Would you still do the military? Honestly, you know, I ask myself that a lot, you know. But I feel like I definitely still would because it made me the man that I am now, you know, without the military. I honestly don't know where I would have ended up or how I would have ended up, you know? Like, this this whole experience of being in the military and traveling the world and all these wonderful opportunities, you know, it definitely opened my eyes up to a lot, taught me how to be a man, pretty much raised me into, you know, being a man. And it's, it's, the lessons are invaluable, you know? I don't even think I could be, like, half the dad that I am, you know, if it wasn't for the military, you know? So it's like... That was a big. That was a big stepping stone for me. Could you, you know? tell us? Um, I know. I remember. Could you tell us one traumatic story that happened like when you were in the military? I don't remember this one story. Um, I think it was the time you got blown up. Could you tell them a little bit about that so they can really get an idea of what a day in your life being in the military was like being in Afghanistan? Well, um. I guess I could speak, well, downrange, or should I say deployed, um, in a deployed soldier's life, pretty much, if you're if you're taking up an infantry job, or you're a combat arms guy, like myself, uh, you're going to be living out there on a cop in the middle of nowhere. A cop ain't nothing but like a little base. It's probably about the size of an apartment complex, or half of an apartment complex. And that means it's just going to be you, and probably about maybe 100 people max, together just living out in the middle of nowhere in afghanistan or wherever you may go in the world to fight a war and you're going to be there alone and you know you guys are going to have to protect that little base you know it's going to be five to six guard towers they're going to have an entry control point or i guess i should say uh if you're coming into a neighborhood they're going to have a gate there and they're going to be military dogs that are sniffing 
drugs, bombs, and all these things. And there's going to be some guys there that search a vehicle. And on each corner, like a square, like I said, there's going to be a tower. And those towers are going to be weapons. And there's going to be a cheer. And you, as a uh, as an infantryman or whatnot, you're going to sit in those towers maybe 6 to 12 hours out your day. You're going to spend six hours sleeping, get back up, go six hours to guard. And you get six more hours to chill. And you pretty much go over that whole rotation like that for about two days. And after your rotation of being in them towers is over, you're going to go out and go on patrols. On patrols, you could be going anything far as going to visit a insurgent prison where you might be, you know, dealing with some Taliban prisoners. Or to you might be going to clear some routes for some friendly forces that might be about to come down through there to drop off supplies to y'all. Or things of that sort. Or you could be about to get on a helicopter and go do a raid at, you know, some kind of Taliban, you know, operated uh, province or whatnot. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty hasty, man. And you're going to be moving around a lot. Uh, the potential for you getting hurt is pretty high. Uh, you pretty much all you got is each other. You know, like I said, when you're sleeping in your little room tent or shoot. Whatever it is that you're sleeping in, there's going to be five guys awake sitting in towers. If they happen to fall asleep on those towers, or if anybody happen to, you know, not do that, everybody could die. So it's, it's a could grown you, man's Could injury. you tell them about the time that you got hurt? Well, the time that I was uh, hurt in combat was we were actually going out onto a patrol and vehicles. So we're driving down the road or whatnot. And uh, the night before, we had got some uh, bombs dropped in our living area. Like I said, talking about the cop. Uh, they sent some bombs into our living area. So we went out there, you know, to go see where they came from. So we went out there, riding around or whatnot, checking out some, uh, checking out these mountaintops, you know, because this is a very mountainous area over in Afghanistan. And we had some uh, some equipment available to us that we could put out there that could tell us when there was, you know, people out there that's not supposed to be out there. So we went up there and put those things out on top of the mountains to be able to, you know, know when those guys were up there. So we would be alerted already to those bad guys out there. And uh, maybe after two hours, you know, I was a vehicle commander at the time. So I was one of the guys that stayed back with the trucks to make sure, you know, that the uh, trucks were good and that the younger guys under me were good. We were pulling security making sure the road stayed clean. So, hour goes by, my guys, all my guys, about 30 of them come back down the hill, everybody gets in their vehicles. I'm in the lead truck or the first vehicle out. So, uh, we get back on the road, get ready to start heading back towards our base. So, you know, I have my radio and stuff so I can talk to the other guys in the truck. I'm uh, standing on top of my truck also, because there's a gunner hole. So I'm standing up there, you know, with the machine gun, got my radio on. And I'm talking to my driver and talking to the other guys behind us. I'm going down the road, and uh, I get call over the radio to my guys, all trucks be advised. Excuse me. Yeah, I call over my radio, all trucks be advised or whatnot. So I call it up. Everybody, you know, says, Roger, you know, tell them all trucks be advised. There's a guy crossing the road in a white man dress right now. So we keep going a little bit farther. Probably like right after I said there's a guy out there with a white man dress on crossing the road, boom, I got blowed up. So at the time, 
uh, when I got blown up, I probably like went in and out of concerts a little bit, came back up, stood up, tried to, you know, grab my machine gun and stuff to start shooting. So, boom, my machine gun wasn't there because it had got blown off the uh, vehicle or whatnot. And uh, after that, my guys, you know, they kind of pulled me back down in the truck. Because like I said, I was already standing up outside the truck, so it blew me up and kind of out. So I hit a big metal, uh, pretty much like a sniper's little harness thing that was overhead of me. I hit it or whatnot, and I came back down, you know, and one of my guys, you know, he was still pretty much a conscious and stuff. He was pretty conscious still, and, you know, I wasn't conscious, you know. He said he just, you know, seen the blood and stuff running down my face, down my head and stuff. He thought I was dead and all that or whatnot. But long story short, maybe like 45, 45 minutes to, you know, an hour later, they got me back around. I got up, you know, and I said, what happened to the dude with the white man dress, you know? Of course, nobody seen him. Nobody knew where he went. You know, it wasn't any way for this guy to escape because we were on a flat piece of ground, you know, going down a piece of road. So there was no way for him to escape, you know. After that, I was off duty for a couple of days or whatnot, trying to get myself healed up, had to get stitches in my face. Uh, one of my elbows messed up. My knees was uh, swollen up, messed up quite a bit, you know. But all my guys, you know, they actually lived through this, you know, and, uh, at the time, you know, I was uh, kind of worried about this guy in the white man dress for a while, you know, but after deep consideration, long consideration, you know, that none of my other guys seen this guy, you know, I just said that was that was God and that was, you know, an angel watching over me that day and my guys, you know, because at the time I might have been the only Christian uh, brother, you know, on that cop at the time and they would have. Uh, a pastor get flown out to where we was at every week to have services and I would always go over there you know and spend time you know praying and listen to the word me and uh one of my good friends uh Zabala he now lives in uh Anaheim California he's out also but uh yeah man I just said that was God you know and I guess that was uh I guess one of the like defining moments for me you know but there was many more moments on that deployment man that easily could have, you know, killed us all or killed me or, you know, took me away from, you know, being able to be here today. So I just thank God overall for just being able to, uh, you know, be able to tell my story and help somebody else out right now. Definitely. I mean, I, I remember that day like it was yesterday. Um, you, it makes you, when you have a family member that's in the military, it makes you appreciate um, our military men and women so much more because it's a lot of stuff, you know, that they deal with and go through that you wouldn't know if you didn't really know anybody that was in the military. So anytime I see anybody that want to go in the military or even that's in the military now, you know, I really salute them because it takes a lot to leave your family, your friends and your loved ones to go stand on that front line and don't know if you're going to make it back home or when the next time you'll see your family. Yeah, yeah, for you, for um, sure. Um, I know you said at the beginning, you know, that you, you acknowledge you do deal with PTSD. PTSD, excuse me. Do you think anything from your ch childhood could have triggered it, or do you think it's all from the military? You know, well, I guess growing up, you know, in a tough situation, they say that, I guess, 90% of kids is proven, I guess, scientifically, that if kids have rough lives so or they're exposed to certain things that they'll, you know, develop these disorders or this, that, and the third, you know. So I think 
that it, it probably had a small percentage in it, you know, but I had a long time in life too, to recover from that and to uh, heal, you know, and not really spend a lot of time dwelling on those things, you know, or whatnot. So I don't really blame it on, uh, on that, you know, but I definitely say it probably definitely had a little hand, you know, and, uh, in this uh, whole process, I guess. Um, I, like I said earlier, I know as young people, um, we face a lot and I don't think older people or our parents, you know, grandparents, aunties, uncles really know or grasp how much we really go through stuff as young people. Um, I know me personally, um, I know for a fact that I've battled depression for a long time. When I do battle it, I know I isolate myself until I feel like I'm better. Um, I know a lot of, I have friends that, you know, have told me they deal with depression and anxiety. And, you know, it's good to have somebody to talk to and lean on. But I think the main thing that's helped me as I get older is to look to God through every issue that I face. When I'm going through something, I don't really talk with it. Talk about it to people. I go to God and I just lay it all out to him because at the end of the day, he's the author and the finisher. So he's the only one that can change my situation around. He won't judge you. He won't put you down for feeling how you feel. So at the end of the day, I feel like that that's really helped me looking to God, letting him be the source and, you know, trusting him to turn whatever situation around that we're going through. Um, what is the best advice you would give someone dealing with depression um, and feeling as if there's no way through? Do you think the best thing to do is to seek counseling or, you know, what would be your advice being that you've dealt with depression, you've been, you know, through everything that you've been through? What would you tell a young person that's battling depression, anxiety? and? Oh, uh, well, for me, honestly, you know, I had a lot of trial and error, man. You know, I went through drinking, smoking weed, clubbing, uh, just being out here, uh, I don't really know a kind word to say, so I'm going to say it kind of hoeing, you know, or using sexual lust, you know, to to get uh, through, you know. So I, I had a lot of trial and error, man. It's been, it's been a long time coming for me. So there is no quick remedy. There is no quick fix, you know. I'm going to just go ahead and put that to you now because when I first started going to counseling and seeing doctors and stuff, you know, I instantly, you know, thought, man. I just want to be happy again. I'm like, man, I just want to be good. Like, what kind of pill can y'all give me? What kind of drug can y'all give me, man, that's going to make me feel good? You know, and to be real with you, there is no feel good drug, man. You know, I don't know how crack is or nothing like that, so don't ask me. But smoking weed is temporary, you know. And also, one more thing I'm going to hit on. If you already have an altered mindset, Doing drugs with it is not a good thing. Sometimes that can push people over the edge. So if, you, if you're already going through the kind of depression, anxiety, and these things, maybe putting down the bottle and maybe putting down the blunt might help. You know, self-medicating ain't always the answer. So uh, furthermore, I would say, man, just take your time with it and just know that hey, God is still a healer. Like you said, man, he's still healing, healing and delivering people. But you got to stay busy, find you a hobby that you love to do, 
reading books, fishing, hiking, physical activities, uh, doing podcasts, doing videos. You got to find stuff that keeps your mind uh, off these things or whatnot. Because the idle mind definitely is the devil's playground. So for me, I like to stay busy. I like to, I found hobbies that I love to do. Um, just be patient with yourself. You know, don't don't compare your situation to anybody else's. Don't think that you know you're not gonna ever beat this. Don't think that this situation that uh, depression is bigger than you because it's not. You know, it's all mental. So you can control your mental. That's the that's the great thing about it. You know, and don't be afraid to seek help. You know, or, you know, ask somebody for help that's going through it or. If you have to go go to good counseling, go. If you feel like you need to check yourself into a psych ward, do it. You know, like nobody's judging you, man. At the end of the day, you only get one life, you know, and you should live it happy. So that's that's my take on that. Definitely. You know? And I feel like um a lot of African Americans, we are it seems like we're afraid to get help. We are afraid to go, you know, get counseling or talk about it with somebody but sometimes you know talking it out is the best thing and if you can't talk it out write it out maybe if you write down how you feel or what you're going through that that will help you as well but you don't want to keep it bottled up because then you'll explode i used to be that type of person where if i was going through something i would just hold it in hold it in and then one day something happened it'll set me off and then i'll just be crying and all upset because i held on to so much for so long so i want to tell you know my young people who's listening to me even my older people it's okay to get counseling it's okay to talk about what you're going through because you all everybody needs somebody to lean on and sometimes you may not feel you can trust your family or your friends with what you want to get out so you might want to seek counseling because you know you can trust the counselor they're not gonna tell anybody that you know so it's not like your business gonna get out you know oftentimes you tell your friends or your family your business to get out and then you feel like you can't trust anybody so um i hope everybody got something from this podcast and you know if you have any more questions about joining the military or if you have any questions about ptsd or if you have any questions about depression period and you need somebody to talk to or you want to know how we got through it or getting through it you know i'm sure we both have our days still where it's not no bright and sunny day we face everybody in life face things and you just got to learn how to overcome it you can't be a person who just sits there and just be okay with being depressed be okay with dealing with anxiety be okay with being down so at the end of the day you know stay strong Keep a strong mind. Go after what you want in life. Set goals. Set boundaries. And um, I hope this podcast helped everybody. If you like it, share it with a friend. Share it with a family member. Let us know what you think. It'll be posted on all social media platforms. Um, Thank you guys for listening. And I'll be back on again next week.